are we still living in Jim Crow? Well, kinda, as you're about to find out. Uh, today joining me is Robert Greenwald. He's the founder of Brave New Films. They've done amazing movies like Outfoxed, Walmart, The High Cost of Low Price, Making a Killing, Guns, Greed, and the NRA. The list is way too long. Uh, their new movie is Suppressed and Sabotaged, The Fight to Vote. Uh, Robert, welcome. Thank you, it's nice to be back with you again. Yeah, it's it's great to see you. Uh, Robert, I'm gonna show a trailer for the movie real quick and then uh, we'll come back and talk about it. Driven by the big lie, we see states across the country passing laws that make it harder for some people to vote. I did not realize that I had been removed from vote by mail. The Texas legislature passed bills to ban drive-through voting. If you want to understand how voter suppression can actually impact the outcome of the election, just go back to 2018 in Georgia. Georgia's tight race for governor is getting national attention. Stacey Abrams looking to make history by becoming the nation's first female African-American governor. Civil rights leaders say Kemp is illegally removing people from Georgia's voters list. The purges, they've been going on for over a century in this state. My girl went yeah. to vote. And they were trying yeah. to keep her from voting. The lines was crazy everywhere. I tried contacting the Georgia Elections Board. My vote would not be counted. I'm 65, and for the first time, I did not get a chance to vote. So Robert, that is so frustrating. And I know some folks that have a little bit more power, right? Whether they're a business owner or they're in politics. And when something like that happens to them, it becomes a big national story and they have a chance to fix it. But for all these folks in Georgia, they just had to eat the injustice, right? That's exactly right. And that's exactly why we did the film. You know, the idea it started out, it was going to be a five minute piece. But as we got into the research, and I'm a fairly cynical New Yorker, so I, I didn't know how widespread it was. But person after person from the very small Brave New Film staff kept coming into my office with more and more stories. And it grew from five minutes to a version of the film that we're now added to, unfortunately, had to update, unfortunately, had to expand. And it's quite infuriating, devastating, and I hope, I hope, motivating, remembering people gave their lives for the right to vote. And here we are with repression, with suppression, and with mainly legal ways of preventing people from voting. So uh, this is how you fix an election before the election, not afterwards, as as Trump tried to do. And uh, and so, but let's talk about it now. Republicans will say, "Why? Why? This is all perfectly legitimate." So, Robert, what's their excuse for why they claim it's legitimate? Well, unfortunately, and uh, Dr. Anderson says in the film. This is not a question anymore of somebody hiding behind a white robe or burning a cross. For the most part, it is in fact legal. It is in fact politicians using their power, using their legislation to change the laws so that people do wait hours and hours because there's no voting booth. Or on the non-legal side, of people who are poll monitors are being threatened, are being intimidated. 
So they're using a series of tactics, all of which is designed so that the politicians select the voters rather than the voters select the politicians. Right, and of course there's gerrymandering as well, but that's been around forever, unfortunately. And both parties accept that and it's maddening. The Democrats claim they don't accept it, but they do. Um, so I'm gonna get back to the Democrats in a second. But uh, Robert, I, I, I'm i a fighter and uh, and so I say- Yes, I'm glad you are. <laughs> so I say things that the Democrats are not likely to do. But if I saw a neighboring state that was a red state that was purging voters based on ethnicity, okay, and based on their likelihood of being a Democrat, and I saw them take away voting booths from minority areas and add them to rich Republican areas, I would do the same thing in my blue state if I was the governor and take away the some white suburban voters that I think are more likely to go to Republicans or white rural voters. And take and put only a couple of voting booths and do it brazenly and go. Now what are you going to do? Okay, until we get to an armistice, right? And we we sit down at the table and go, hey, maybe we shouldn't erase each other's voters. But like, so that's an over the top reaction, I admittedly, right? But have the Democrats gone an inch in any direction to fight back against this? Let alone my ideas. Well, yes, there have been there has been a long, concerted, and escalating effort. Yes, it should have been done years ago, but he said, she said, or woulda, shoulda, coulda, really doesn't matter right now. What matters now, I think, honestly, is people committing to do something about it. And there's a variety of things that can be done. Um, there's legislation. There's local advocacy groups. There's uh, voting, making sure you vote, as someone in the film says, if our vote wasn't so critical, they wouldn't try to stop us. But it's not quick, it's not easy, and it's not instant gratification. You know, we talked about this years ago when I did the film on the Koch brothers. One of the great lessons I learned, as evil as they are, they think long term, they don't expect it to be solved in one minute or one day or one election cycle. And that's a problem on our side. Similarly, when we did the film and we talked about this a bit about the NRA, you know, they count on our side getting all worked up, all active, all angry, and then it dissipates. So it's a long-term fight on voting as it is on a series of inequality, systemic and racist issues. And let's just not forget, this would never, never, never happen if it were all white people. Yeah, that's why yeah, I have the plan that I do. The minute you do start <laughs> purging white people's names from voting lists, you'll have a national scandal the size of Texas. And now all of a sudden, Republicans are like, purging the voter rolls? How can they do this? Right? So, and and that goes to the dynamic of power and what you were just mentioning. Because your vote is your power. And how do you know it? Because the Republicans are trying to take it away. If if it if it wasn't powerful, trust me, they wouldn't care. Okay, they would. Yes. Well, it's exactly right. And I mean, there's been for a long term there was a debate: Do you get social change by by electing people? Do you get it by focusing on movement building? You know, Dr. King did not wait around for the right politician. 
But the, one of the accomplishments Trump has had is getting many of us focused on the voting part of it. That what he has done using the vote to then discriminate, to then sabotage, to then destroy uh, electorally, legislatively, morally. And I think that's a call for us to go to the barricades metaphorically and literally. Yeah, literally in the in the political sense, uh, of course. And so, uh, but that gets to the, us to the Democrats and uh, and Robert. They did have two bills on this in in the uh, in this first uh, two years of the Biden term, uh, and uh, they didn't fight for them, uh, and they withered on the vine. And uh, and of course, all the Republicans are against it, but. If you know, if you don't realize Republicans are monsters, you're just you're not paying a lot of attention, right? So we got that part. We need the Democrats to to fight back, and they went out with a whimper. So what are we supposed to do if the party that's supposed to be representing us doesn't? Well, I think that's our job. And I'm of the school. I can't remember who it was years ago. It was a Republican, maybe it was Gingrich or somebody said about a. Republican president, I think it was about Bush, maybe Bush won. If he doesn't do what we want him to do, it's our failure. Politicians, and this is again goes back to the Koch brothers, politicians respond to pressure. Charles Koch said, politicians are like actors. They read from a script and he, Charles Koch, wanted to write the script. It's not our job to make these politicians perfect human beings. It is our job to put all kinds of pressure on them to show where public opinion is, where activism is, and what we want them to do. And I think to the degree they're not doing it means we've got to put more pressure, find more ways to influence them, and to make sure we are out there holding feet to the fire and saying this is what we want. And we need to frankly grow our majority too. That's part of the job. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I would add, this is my opinion, uh, vote for progressives in Democratic primaries because they're actually willing to fight for you. Uh, establishment Democrats, I mean, Robert, you know, I say, you know, they wouldn't do it if their life depended on it, but their political lives actually kind of did depend on it. Uh, that those voting rights bills could have ended gerrymandering, they could have ended these voter purges, they could have ended all of these things, and. Because their donors didn't want them to get rid of the filibuster, they just dropped it, and uh, and it like it makes it so frustrating that it's it's hard to tell people what to do. I mean, you tell them to go vote, but sometimes they they got uh, their votes purged, and you tell them to support Democrats that'll make a difference, except they don't. So it it puts us in this box, and I hate being there. I'm a very as you know, I'm a very optimistic, very hopeful guy. Want to fight back. But the Democrats make it so hard on you to help them and to help the whole country. Well, I think I would disagree with you on painting such a broad brush. Yes, there are Democrats who are terrible. There are Democrats who are invested in corporate interests, but it's a wide variety. And I think there are many of them who with further pressure, with a larger constituency, with letting them know, as you just said, their political life is literally in danger. I think we can and will influence them. 
But we have to be committed to the long term fight. And as frustrating as it is, and as infuriating as it is, that's emotion. Emotion comes and goes. What's the tactic? What's the strategy? How are we going to convince this one, that one, and the other one to fight more and to fight smart? Yeah. And so, look, everybody's got a slightly different strategy and tactic, as Robert pointed out. And my strategy and tactic is to shame them. So, Democratic senators, what the hell are you waiting for? You're running an election based on the fact that we might lose our democracy. And unfortunately, that's very true. How about you vote that way when you're in charge? So that's my way of doing it. Robert's way of doing it is movies. And so everybody check out Suppressed and Sabotage, the fight to vote. Thank you so much for joining us, Robert. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And just remind everyone the films are free. They're available every place. And we're on we're moving towards having a thousand free screenings before the 2022 midterm. So, thanks for spreading the word. As no always. problem. Everybody, check Follow out up. Brave New Films. That's where you can find it. Thanks. Is CNN going more right wing? Are they going to become quote unquote centrist? Did they ever stop? These are all interesting questions we're going to talk about right now. Zachary Lehman joins us. He's a media and culture critic. He wrote a piece in Media called Laura Coates Primetime Move on CNN. Shows centrist pivot is just an illusion. Zachary, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me on. No problem. So, Zachary, I'm going to read you one of your lines and then I want to get your thoughts on it and then we'll talk about the broader issue. But let's talk. Talk about Coates first. That's the person you wrote about. She's as anchor on CNN. You said Coates is also, of course, a vocal and regular critic of CNN's favorite topic of discussion, Donald Trump. She then you said that she intimated that the former president cited the January 6th Capitol riot, which he certainly did. And you say her commentary is hardly nonpartisan or objective. So, do you think? I'm trying. I want to get your sense of what you mean by nonpartisan or objective. Those are two very different words with potentially different implications. So let me ask you, what do you mean by it? Well, I think, and first off, I mean, I have nothing personally against Laura Coates. I've watched her on TV plenty of times. Her legal background is very impressive. I think she's more of a smaller window into this sort of charade that we see David Zaslop and, and Chris Lick putting forth as far as CNN goes. Um, you know, I, I mentioned in the piece, you know, we've seen how Laura Coates covers some of these issues. We've seen how she covers, you know, comparing Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis to segregationists. And you may agree with those opinions. You may agree with all of her opinions. Uh, I think the point is more that, you know, this idea that CNN is going to be somehow become the straight news alternative to Fox or MSNBC. I mean, I believe that as much as I believe Trump is not going to tweet if he gets invited back on Twitter or Stallone saying he's not doing action movies in the 90s. I think, you know, it's corporate speak, this sort of move to the middle that Chris Licht is talking about, that David Zaslav, when he talks about, you know, advocacy networks and sort of wanting to set himself apart from that. I mean, it's corporate speak. And I think beyond Laura Coates, because Laura Coates, again, you can agree with every opinion she has. I don't think, you know, I'm not saying, She's wrong or she's biased when she says, you know, Trump incited the January 6th riot. 
I think she's just a smaller piece to this puzzle. You know, it's like uh, you know the big thing people sort of throw out for this supposed potential change that CNN is going through is Brian Stelter leaving the network and reliable sources getting canceled. And you know, you can say that's sort of proof that you know what Trump supporters want to believe, which is that you know these new owners are going to come in and somehow vanquish all his low-rated critics. I mean, that's not the truth. I mean, Reliable Sources was just a show that was in an impossible situation right now because they cover the media, namely Fox News. The number one story in the media involving the media is CNN. So I think they've. I think this has been corporate speak. This idea of we're going to move to the middle. We're going to sort of not be the CNN of old. I mean, the CNN of yesterday is the CNN of today, and the CNN of tomorrow is going to be the CNN of today too. Yeah. So I'm not sure I agree with that, but I think what's more interesting is what you perceive CNN to be. Right now, what do you think CNN is? I mean, CNN, of course, I mean, with Warner Discovery taking over, I don't think they 100% know what they are right now. I think they're trying to figure that out. Um, But I mean, they are what they are. I mean, when David Zasloff says, you know, we want to set ourselves apart from advocacy networks, I mean, CNN is pretty close to the ball as far as an advocacy network. I mean, this is the same network that, you know, Mike Lavinet. Yeah, so Zachary, who do you think they're advocating for? Well, I think it's more these last few years, it hasn't been advocating for anyone specific. I think their main focus has been Trump, has been anti-everything Trump. And I think it's allowed them to sort of go down these very bizarre paths. I mean, that's why we saw Michael Avenetti on that channel hundreds of times. We're talking about his 2024 chances. We see Richard Spencer on that network. So, you know, maybe this change, maybe they're looking to not fall down those rabbit holes as much going forward. But again, this idea of sort of being in the middle, I, I don't think it's happening. And I think, you know, you're asking, you know, what do I perceive the network to be? You know, then it's a larger question and maybe a, a more relevant uh, discussion about, you know, what does non-biased news look like today? You yeah. know, how do you cover Trump in 2024 in a non-biased way? Because we can't agree what's biased anymore. You know, someone saying that, uh, oh, Laura Coates is biased against Trump because, you know, she believes he incited the January 6th, uh, uh, the January 6th uh, Capitol riot. I mean, again, we, we can't find this middle ground, you know, because we can't even agree on facts at this point. So again, I, the point is more that, and I, again, I respect Laura Coates and yeah. I respect what she does. But I think the point is more that this sort of corporate speak, I think people are sort of just taking it a little too far. They're right. kind of pointing, yo, you know, Jeffrey yeah. Tubin left, uh, Brian Stelter left. I, I got you. Part of the problem there is that the right wing says, well, I have alternative facts. And so now, in order to be non-biased, you have to be somewhere between the truth and my outrageous lie, which by definition will be not true, right? In between a lie and truth is a lie. Uh, so uh, so I, I don't think the standards should be Okay, and by the way, it's not like Democrats don't like and don't lie. And I've got my own thoughts about corporate media and how they lie, right? But it can't be the the spot between the two political opinions, right? Right. I mean, it, it all depends on. Again, if we're having a discussion overall about bias, it's a very uh, different uh, conversation when you bring in Trump, and it's a very different conversation when Trump's not involved. So, for instance, you know, uh, if he runs again in in 2024, I mean, what kind of CNN are we going to be seeing? Are we going to be seeing the CNN of old, where they sort of, you know, they're inviting on Mike Lavinetti and, and Michael Cohen, and basically just anybody who will be willing to say a bad word about Trump? Or if Trump's not involved, I mean, is it more of a normal landscape? 
that they can no, actually navigate. Exactly, that's you know, what I'm trying think, to understand. I don't know what you mean by normal landscape because, okay, Avenetti is an interesting example because he turned out to be a, a con man, et cetera, et cetera, right? Which, by the way, ironically, so is Donald Trump. Uh, I actually think the press, including CNN, is not nearly tough enough on Donald Trump. Uh, so he had six bankruptcies. He can't run a business of his life depending on it. They never talk about it. Uh, he's hiding his high school grades and his college grades because he's an obvious moron. They never talk about it. I can give you a list of 20,000 things that Donald Trump is a blithering idiot about or completely wrong about or 100% right. lied about. And they barely graze the surface. And you think that's too tough on Trump? No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's too tough on Trump. I'm saying it's been obvious what CNN has been for the past few years. I mean, it's been the anti-Trump network, but it's been the mainstream version of that. Because obviously new media is talking about the exact stuff that you're talking about. You know, CNN being part of such a larger corporate conglomerate even before, you know, Warner Discovery was a thing. I think they can't really quite go that deep, but they're that mainstream version of, hey, we're anti-Trump. We don't like Trump either. I mean, but but you're absolutely right, and that, that's why I'm saying when Trump's involved in the conversation, it becomes a different conversation. Yeah, okay, so Zachary, let, let me run my theory by you, because I'm curious about your reaction. My theory is that uh, yeah. that mainstream media is corporate media, and uh, they don't have a liberal bias at all, uh, they, and they don't have a conservative bias either. They have a corporate bias. So on social issues, they lean to the left, uh, which these days, Multinational corporations lean to the left because that's where most of their, I would argue, that's where most of their customers are because two thirds of the country and of the world are progressives. Now that's a whole different conversation, but certainly, I, but I would concede that these days, socially, corporations are leaning to the left a little bit, and definitely corporate media is right. But on economic issues, they go all the way to the right, and 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 that's because they're giant corporations who want tax cuts, the ability to merge, and they love the Republican philosophy and. Very often supporter, but honestly, corporate Republican and corporate Democrat is nearly indistinguishable on economic issues, and so CNN and MSNBC. So, what do you think about that theory? I'm curious to see. I, I mean, I don't disagree with much there. I mean, where I, I think you're saying you're already viewing CNN as being in a centrist position, which I think that's an argument you can make because when you look at the media landscape overall, when you look at new media, when you look at mainstream media, then they aren't that left wing or as left wing as maybe you know Trump wants to paint them in a, in a truth social post. But as far as you know, the mainstream cable news networks go, which is a business that is sort of dying anyway, as far as millennials and, and Gen Z goes, I think that they are left wing. I mean, they're absolutely left wing. And again, we talked about <clears throat> You know, Michael Avenetti, I mean, that's a small example, but it's an example of where the company's been at. And I don't think Brian Stelter leaving changes much. I think, you know, again, you're, you're talking about not much difference between a corporate Democrat and a corporate Republican. And, you know, news media is corporate media, especially with these cable news, these cable news networks. So, I mean, we're kind of saying the same thing because I think this idea that, hey, we're moving to the middle, we're, I mean, it's not happening. It's going to be the same exact network. I don't think any of these changes. You know, maybe the optics of having Brian Stelter uh, were talked about because it's positive in a way where people do discuss, oh, we're going to have a more centrist, a more uh, CNN that's more in the middle. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're just going to make all these decisions. You can go, oh, yeah, maybe that was done for political purposes, but it was all done for corporate purposes. You know, Brian Stelter left because his show was in an impossible position. You know, Jeffrey Tubin probably should have left long before. Uh, John Harwood, I mean, you, you can 
come up with political reasons for why they left. But at the same time, I mean, this is just corporate media being corporate media. Wait. So maybe I think it's a little more left wing than you do, but we are coming you know, coming at it from the same place, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think it's not at all left wing. Uh, so I, I mean, I explained that on social issues they are. But like, how left wing are they? I, right. I, black people should have voting rights, gay people should be allowed to exist and, and teachers should be allowed to say they're gay if they are in fact gay. Are these controversial? Yeah, I guess they're controversial positions. Uh, but I, no, I know. I mean, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I was, I was just going to say. I mean, when you're talking about those specific issues, yeah, I don't think those are great examples of. Hey, you know, here's why they're left wing because they're saying black people should have voting rights. You know, I, I think that's not at all. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's uh, at all a signifier of you know CNN being left wing having those I, positions. I, I don't look here. Let's since we're running out of time, let, let me have you take a shot at it. Okay, so. I, You've got this Avenatti example, but it's kind of like an exception that proves a rule because it's really the only guy you could point to who was kind of a crook that that CNN had on, and he they had him oh, on too much. What about yeah. what about what about Richard Spencer appearing on CNN? I mean, that was well, just Richard ridiculous. Richard Spencer. I mean, I don't know. Like, you can get into platforming debates, but Richard Spencer's a neo-Nazi, right. from what I understand, and so it's not like they were having him on to congratulate him. Um, so, so you know, but my my the question I was going to ask you is. Look, on economic issues, I can show you that not only CNN, but Fox News and MSNBC, all three of them are very right wing. So you show Medicare for all, MSNBC hates it the most, then CNN, then Fox News, okay? You show student debt, all three were united, they hated it. They had every pundit against it, they had every host against it. Anything that helps the American people, they despise it, right? They're the establishment, they don't want Populism, and they and they hate progressives more than anyone else. Okay, but can you show me an example where they're too liberal? Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's a matter of them being too liberal or too conservative. I mean, you're saying that you know they're already kind of centrist because economically, no, I think they're right. They're they're, they're not centrist. Conservative. I think the center of the country. Well, I can show you the polling is not at all right wing and is not at all what corporate media calls center. That's the center of DC, which is corporate and right wing economically. Right. So, I mean, so, okay, you think they're a right wing network? I would say, in the context of, you know, if we're talking about cable news, if we're talking about MSNBC, if we're talking about Fox News, if we're talking about CNN, in that landscape, in that small world, they are left wing because they're left wing on, I mean, and, and you know, we can go with the Laura Coates example. I mean, she's, Again, you know, when David Zaslav says we're not going to be an advocacy network, I mean, I'm sorry when you're on TV and you're comparing DeSantis to racists and segregationists. I, that's advocacy. That is political. That is left wing, or at least left wing in the context of cable news. That small, that small sector, because we have MSNBC caters to a certain audience, Fox News caters to a certain audience, and you know, CNN happens to be going through some big changes, so they want to sell this idea that they're going to sort of move into the middle of both of them. But I mean, the truth is, they're just going to be the same CNN that they were yesterday, which is to you, it's going to be right wing, and to me, it's going to be you know, again, in that small world, it's going to be another. It's going to be a continuing left wing network. It's going to be doing the same exact thing it's done before, just with less Brian Stelter and more Stanley Tucci, which I like that. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, there we have agreements. I also like Stanley Tucci. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, the show's uh, great. I mean. Yeah, no, he's got some great work. Okay, so Zachary Lehman, thank you for joining us. Everybody check him out. We'll have the link down below for how you can follow Zachary. And and let's see how it turns out.
But I would just tell the audience, uh, the next time there's an economic issue, watch how fast and hard Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC agree on it. They always agree, and it's always an economically right-wing position. That's my theory. All right, uh, Zachary, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it, brother. Thanks, Zach.